0: Father, I thank you, Lord, as we come before you today. Uh, Lord, just thank you for the time of worship with you today, the friends, the fellowship that we have together, Uh, time that we've had with family this week. And and Lord, again, uh, tonight, cleaning up uh, leftovers or whatever we may do with family and friends this evening. But Lord, we ask that this morning you would give us a special visitation of your spirit in your word. Lord, speak to our hearts today. God, there's so much in this book about living a supernatural life. And, and we we read right past it. We just go right over it. God, speak to us today. Do not let us leave here without being changed. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. And uh, now that Christmas is officially started, uh, you know, all of us have to listen to Mariah Carey, whether we like it or not. Some people like Michael Buble. Back in the day, there was Frank Sinatra, and he had a signature sound and a signature song, and his signature song was My Way. That was a song that Elvis Presley sang on his last tour uh, before he died of a drug overdose. So, you can go ahead and you can do life your way, but doing life your way, being self-determined and self-driven is also the clearest path to self-destruction. And the devil tries to anesthetize you against that with um, turkey tryptophan and other things just to kind of make you put it out of your mind and Uh, you know drowsy and let me just take a nap but uh, it really when you get down to the bottom line it is which is why you need to say just like the apostle paul if you look at galatians 6 verse 14 on your handout you need to say but god forbid that i should glory save save for except for glorying in the cross of our lord jesus christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I into the world. So the cross provides two things so that you can escape the cycle of self destruction. First, it crucifies the world to you so that the world can be dead to you. And second, it crucifies you. But in crucifying you, it doesn't put you in death. You, you were in death before you got saved. So before you got born again is when you were in death. So crucifying you puts you in Christ's resurrection. Now watch how that works. Also in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, death. Nevertheless, I live life. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, resurrection life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith Of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So now that you are alive by Christ's life, you have a supernatural life to live. But does that describe you this morning? You know, what bothers me is we're the most affluent generation in the history of humanity, and yet at the same time, we are the most violent, unhappy, and full of despair. So if I were to do a word association test this morning and I ask what one word comes to your mind when you hear the word Christian, what would that word be? But then if I were to repeat the test and I were to put your name out there in front of other people, what would they say is the one word they associate with you? I mean, wouldn't it be great if it was always supernatural? Unusual, in, in a good sense, this time. Amazing, love, grace, Christ. So the 12th chapter of Romans shows us exactly how that can be done. How do you live a supernatural life? I mean, how do you live so much filled with the Spirit that His gifts are evident, overcoming the works of the flesh, so that Christ is prominent Conforming your personality to his own likeness. And so that the cross is potent, providing you with resurrection power. There are three simple things in this one chapter. And the first one is this. You live the supernatural life, number one, by following God's will. You say, Alan, but how do you follow God's will? Well, you're asking good questions this morning. First, letter A By abandoning your life to God. Verse 1. Look at verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, men and women of the Old Testament would bring their lamb to the temple, and when they brought their lamb to the temple, they would release it totally to the priest. And all ownership over that animal was abandoned, and it became property of God for his people. If you are a believer by being born again, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, he is resident, he wants to be president. Therefore, you must present it. Have you abandoned your life to Christ? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit by filling yourself with the word of God daily, just like we talked about last Sunday? Are you giving up self? Are you giving up flesh? Are you setting aside your pride? God does not want dead animals today. God wants a living sacrifice bodies which he can possess by the Holy Spirit. And that is the only reasonable thing you can do if you want to worship God. How do we follow God's will? First, abandon your life to God. Second, second, letter B, by separating yourself from the world. Look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, be, be not conformed to it. Now, this is where, if you have a King James Bible, especially one with center column references, it'll help you out if you actually use it, because most center column reference Bibles will cite First Peter chapter one verse fourteen right here at Romans twelve verse two. First Peter one fourteen says, "As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts." In your ignorance, so this cross reference is given to tell you that the James gang translated that word in Romans twelve two that word conformed as fashioning yourselves according to in 1 Peter 1.14. As a matter of fact, the Greek word means a systematic scheme of things, matching yourself to a certain pattern. And the most radical, the most revealing and the most healing truth that some of you will hear all year is this. You do not have to do that. You do not have to conform yourself to this world. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be swayed by the spirit of our age if you just walk in the Holy Spirit. And you follow God's will by abandoning your life to God by separating yourself from the world. and third, third, the third thing, let her see, is by transforming your life by reprogramming your thinking. Now verse two says, "But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in order to keep from being molded into this world's pattern. Your personality has to be modified through metamorphosis. That's what you're supposed to be doing in this life. Uh, You know, this is so backwards. All of this cuts grain, cuts across grain to our culture and our society today because our society says you need psychotherapy, and the psychotherapy is designed to make you more of you. And God says, no, baby Baba, you need exactly the opposite. You need to be less of you, and you need to be more of me. So you need the type of therapy that is going to metamorphosize your personality. So let's use those simple Bible study techniques again, and let's consider again a cross-reference companion passage, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. But we all, with open face, as beholding in a glass, that means as if we are looking into a mirror, Now, normally, when you look in a mirror, you see your reflection, and the mirror reflects you. Paul says no, because what happens in the Christian life is this. You look into the Word of God, and instead of it reflecting you, you begin to reflect Christ. And beholding is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory How does that happen? By the Spirit of the Lord. So you are changed passively, 2 Corinthians 3, but you must be transformed actively, Romans chapter 12. So now put the two together, and you see everything you need to know. Renew your mind with the mind of Christ actively, actively getting in the Word to renew your mind, and you will be transformed. It will act on you because the word of God will do the work because as you see Christ's image in the word it changes you God's spirit uses his word and you put it in your mind to renew your mind in order to transform your life so how can you ever live the supernatural life well first by making proof in your life of the word of God second letter number two By functioning with God's people in Christ's body. I want to know how many full-time ministers have we got in the house. Okay, raise your hand if you're a full-time minister. You know what? Every Christian in here should have just raised their hand. You should have raised your hand. Because the ministry of this church belongs to the members of this church. One high school Sunday school uh, teacher asked, The high school class, what's the difference between the clergy and the laity? And one bright young lady lifted her hand and said, you know, the clergy are paid to be good, the laity are just good for nothing. (laughs) Clergy, laity, those two terms do not appear in your Bible, and they need not appear in your belief, because there are no hired holy men in this church. There are only saints and faithful brethren. So what ministry do you have to and through this body? Find it and do it because it must be carried out in four ways which then enable you to live the supernatural life. First, first, carry it out. This is letter A, as you minister in a spirit of humility. Look at verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that word soberly is also translated to be in your right mind. And in God's universe, the only right-minded thinking is to think with humility. So do not be like the devil in Isaiah 14. Instead, think like Christ thought. Okay, wait. You need to think realistically, but think full of living faith. Be full of faith. Because sober thinking is reality informed by your faith. Okay, I think I said something. You you just missed it. Now, this isn't on the handout, but if you're taking notes today, you ought to write that definition down. What is reality? Reality. Sober thinking is reality informed by your faith. You know, when I was, you know, when I was high school, I was college age. I mean, my struggle was, what is real Christian living? What is true spirituality? I couldn't tell. Is it all these things that they say not to do? You know, all the Baptist taboos and stuff like that, and yeah, or what? What? I mean, I don't feel like that's real. Well, okay. You know, soberness is when reality is informed by faith and you are walking by the word of God. And so almost everything we're going to see in this chapter cuts across our lives as good Romans, which is another way of saying good, us good Americans. I mean, that's why you have to abandon, start with abandoning yourself to God. Separate yourself from this world And then reprogram your mind with the Bible because to live a supernatural life, and this is letter B, you must carry out ministry as you minister in a spirit of dependence. Look at verse 12. Excuse me, verse 4. Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, you don't have the same work, you don't do the same deeds. We should all work, but we don't do the same deed. We are an organism with different organs. We are a body with different body parts. And, and you know, if my mouth decided one day that it wanted to be where my armpit is, would you check my breath for me if I ask you? <laughs> Some people do have the same function, and, and that's because they comprise a system. I mean, we've, you've got a cardiovascular system. And uh, we have different systems that operate in this church, but then there are people who have totally different functions, and yet we are all dependent on the same head. So sometimes people thank me after the service, but the people up in the booth, they got the thankless job. And people on the lot or in the lobby, I mean, they're thanking you for coming this Sunday, and yet they've got the thankless job. You know what? I hope everybody thanks those who are working with our kids and with our youth because that is a system, and what makes that is what makes us a functioning body of Christ. Now, that means that a spirit of dependence has to be complemented, and this is letter C, by a spirit of cooperation. Look at verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. So the body is unified, even though it is not uniform. And it doesn't have to be uniform in order to be unified. I don't need a hand on, on, my, le- hands on my legs and my feet. I need feet on my, on, uh, on my legs. I need hands on my arms. I don't have to have the same thing every place, because we don't have to be uniform Because we are united, and the thing that unites us is humility. It is dependence, and it is cooperation. And that cooperation is what keeps us from being in competition. So to get everyone to that level, including you, well, then a fourth thing is required. This is letter D. It is as you minister with a content of spiritual gifting. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given unto us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministering, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. You know, as we read down through that list, the Holy Spirit should have been speaking to you. There should have been something on that list that the Holy Spirit just rang a bell. And it's like, gong, oh yeah, you know, I, teaching. I've never taught before, but, you know, maybe I ought to be doing that. So the word gifts in verse 6 is the Greek word charismata. And that means that every authentic believer is a charismatic Christian. Hello, somebody. We are all charismatic Christians. Because by virtue of the fact that God gave you the gift of His grace, He also gave you supernatural grace gifts to utilize in His body in ministry. Now, Lord willing, we're going to talk next Sunday uh, about spiritual gifts as part of our series on the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to go through this list in detail right here, but let me just quickly give you three tips on using your grace gift in ministry to our body first keep your focus on god's grace not on the gift keep grace high in the equation so that the gift does not become a source of pride to you because grace is what keeps differing gifts from becoming sources of division second choose your primary ministry according to your gift but not limited to your gift you say, well, you know, yeah, Alan, there was, you know, the Holy Spirit rang a bell. And I think, you know, maybe I need to sign up here and I need to start doing this thing. Uh, okay, so start, start with where you are gifted. But if there's a particular Sunday that, you know what, we were going to need you someplace else, I think the Holy Ghost is big enough to gift you for that new opportunity. Otherwise, we become so specialized, we get paralyzed. So if you have the gift of teaching, you still need to serve. If you have the gift of administration, you still need to give. And the grace gift of God will lead you into supernatural living. And so, third third bullet point, if you do not start ministering with a gift, you will atrophy in your growth. And I don't know, maybe when you were grown up, you were a kid, maybe you had a broken leg, or maybe you had a friend who had a broken leg, and... You know, back in that day, they had uh, casts in such a fashion that you take a, a Sharpie or a magic marker and you could, you know, uh, sign, sign their casts and stuff like that. But then when the cast is taken off six or eight weeks later, what you see is that the calf has shrunk and the leg shrinks, the muscles shrink because they are not used. Why would you miss the opportunity God is giving you to live supernaturally. I mean, you can be as strong as you want to be in the body of Christ, doing what God wants you to do. But to do so, you must follow God's will. You must function as one of God's people in Christ's body. And third, third, this is number three, you must live with radical supernatural love the attention-getting testimony of a Christian is if your word association results with the word love. Because love is the fulfilling of all the law. And love is the rule for following all the rules. And, And Jesus said love is the new commandment to enable you to obey all the old commandments. So Paul always ends a discussion of spiritual gifts by talking about love. I mean, he does that in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about gifts, chapter 13, love. He does that right here in chapter 12, we saw the gifts, now he talks about love. And he talks about three specific areas that enable us to live our life driven by love. Because first, this is letter A, he shows us the definition of all-sufficient supernatural love. Love has a disposition and therefore has a peculiar definition. And the disposition is to be, and this is number one, authentically displayed. Verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Do not fake it, or you will not make it when it comes to love. But if its disposition is truly not pretend, not simulation then its definition can be derived as ideas and emotions, and this is number two, which are morally discriminating. Verse 9, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Now again, this is exactly where it cuts cross-grain against our society, against our social media, against our culture. I mean, talk about culture wars. Culture wars are not the thing that all the people say, well, this is the culture war. No, the Bible defines for you the culture war. The culture war is located right here. Because what is written here, what God is saying here, when he defines love right here, it goes completely against good old American culture. Because love has to detest and desist some things, or else it is not love. Man, that is not where our society is at today. Likewise, love has to cling to some uncomfortable things or else it is not love. So real love does not respond compassionately to everything because real love is not irrational tolerance. Because love's tolerance is informed by truth from God's word. Because that is the only thing that makes it real that's the only thing that shapes it and makes it true to reality so the shape of love has to hate what is evil which means the definition appears in our lives secondly and this is letter b with special application this is the practical daily outworking of divine love so verse 9 talked about agape love god's love uses the word agape Now, verse 10 flows down and brings us the word phileo, which means love in relationship to brethren. Watch, watch. First, this is number one. It is treating others with kindness. Look at verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with phileo, with brotherly love, because agape is going to lead you into that. And I will admit, it is hard to be kindly affectioned in the line at the DMV. I'm just saying. I mean, I, for me, at least sometimes, it's hard to be kindly affectioned with my mask on waiting to board the plane. And it's hard to be kindly affectioned. As a matter of fact, it's kind of an impossible practical application unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit who is filling you with His love. And filled so much so, this is number two, that you are sacrificing your personal opinions. Okay, wait. See, this, this is where I'm going to get in trouble today. Can I get in trouble today? This is good trouble, though. I'm going to get in tr- good trouble right now. Because this is exactly, once again, where it cuts cross grain against our good Roman thinking. Because verse 10 says, in honor, preferring one another. So let me just risk pointing out to you the current application to social media. You say, "Oh, okay, you can take that risk and, and point it out, but I'm not sure I'll still love you after that. As a matter of fact, I may unfollow you. I may unfriend you. Okay, well then let me move on to the next item. Number three, are you passionately serving? Verse 11 Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Do not be lazy about serving love. Do not be lethargic about living with passion for God. Passion in ministry. Jesus rebuked the church at Ephesus because they left their first love. Jesus rebuked the church at Sardis because they were dead. And Jesus rebukes the church at Laodicea because we are neither hot nor cold, just lukewarm. Spiritual apathy is offensive to a loving God. God. Therefore, to exercise love-driven staying power, this is number four, we must be persisting positively in adversity. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. I mean, this is a love that will not let you quit. It won't let you quit on God. It won't let you quit on ministry, on marriage, on children, on church, on discipleship develop some hopeful staying power through joy and patience in love. Say, Alan, but how can I do that? Well, you're asking good questions this morning because you can do it by the next item in line, number five, by committing to continual prayer. Verse 12, continuing instant in prayer. It's like instant potatoes. It's always ready. You don't have to peel instant potatoes. I mean, just add water and it's there. So the James gang also translates this word, instant, continuing instant, as attending continually and waiting in prayer. You remember Peter, James, and John. They would not continue instant even one hour to watch Jesus pray. And that's after he warned them in advance and that's after he asked them three times, So we need to be with each other and for each other in prayer the way that they were not. And also, also number six, love uses hospitality with generosity. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. You know, last Sunday night... We had the team together, and even the Iwana kids came in and united with the adults, and we got the food items set out on tables, and, and then we got the baskets all assembled, and then got the tables just came, you know, taken down like dominoes as, as the last basket rolls off the line. You know, kind of like the last Shelby GT500 KR convertible coming off the line, and, you know, everybody's cheering, that's, that's the last one, we got them done, and some of those were delivered that same night. And so before the night was out, we heard testimony from people that said, you know, we went out, we delivered our basket, and the family we delivered it to, they want to come visit us now. I mean, we may even see them this Sunday. So that's love acting outside of the church. What about love acting inside the church? Number seven, it's when you refuse revenge and defensiveness. Verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Like I said, I'm getting in good trouble today. That cuts cross grain against the way we think. I mean, this is not what I see popping up on my timeline. Okay, verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide honest things in the sight of all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Step aside, let it pass by. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. I mean, our good Roman American mindset says, Retaliate so you don't get taken advantage of. Well, let me tell you something. Any ministry that's real ministry is being taken advantage of. That's what ministry is. I mean, it's not love if you are not willing to be taken advantage of. People take advantage of you. And you spend time with them and you pour into them and, and you take your time and you do their thing and they show up and you know and then and then in this like you know you all, somewhere all along you know along the line, every now and then there's Judas and you get betrayed, and it's like, okay, I'm taken advantage of. Why am I even doing this? Well, because that's what ministry is. Love does that. Because you're if you are not willing to be taken advantage of you either are not acknowledging the providence of God in allowing someone to hurt you, or you're not acknowledging the sovereignty of God in allowing Him to take care of it instead of you. Jesus suffered silently because He was not defensive. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, so that it would show us how we can keep from succumbing to bitterness. But one, one of the more difficult expressions of love in our society, I think, is number eight. Replacing envy with empathy. Watch verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We give in to jealousy when we see somebody else's success. And sometimes we're not willing to weep with someone else who is crying. Why? Well, because... We look at it and we say, yeah, but I can see how you brought that on yourself. And that just drains the empathy out of us. We can see how dirty their unsocked toenails are. You know, the love of God will take you way beyond that. Think of the difference you could make in the life of one of our Harvest Kids or somebody else in this church. I mean, here's a vision I have. Here's, here's you know anybody I'm thankful for everyone who works in Harvest Kids anyone can work in area like that or you know one of our other youth areas or something and they can influence a child they can affect a child and they can have an impact on a child and and it'll make a real difference but you know you know the people that would impact Harvest Kids most most it's the young people it's the people who they look at and they say you know I'm going to here they are in here, wearing their letter jacket. You know what? I'm gonna be in a letter jacket in a few years and and am I gonna be able to represent Christ like that? I mean, well I can't believe that you know they're they're this and, and you know they're all that in the school they're going to and yet. They're taking time to be with me on Sunday and take the Word of God and teach me on Sunday. I mean, those are the most powerful impacts. And I, I thank God that we do so much better than so many other churches, so many other churches. The oldest people are working with the younger kids, and praise God for that. But the most impact is so when we have young people, young couples, couples with young kids, influencing and working with with the youngest kids in the church. I mean, setting that aside, just think about the difference it would make in your home if you acted like this and you were this type of example to your own children. The difference it would make in our city to have an army of amorous agape lovers like this because then, then we would be, number nine, replacing conceitedness with humility that breeds unity. Verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. No aristocracy, no caste system, no hierarchy, no prejudice based on ethnicity or economics. Man, these are the key things. These are how Earth's earliest disciples turned the world upside down. And this is what will turn the world upside down, because this is certainly upside down to the world. I mean, this is cross-grain. I mean, this is so much not what our culture and what our society is today. Because at the bottom line, and this, this is the last thing, number 10, they were pursuing peace without exception. Look at verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, sometimes it's not possible because they won't let you. But you should at least be known as the person of peace in the equation. So in the final analysis, this is letter C. We see the prerequisite for all sufficient supernatural love. You know, there was a young soldier who was condemned to death during the reign of Cromwell as Lord Protector of England. And the man was engaged to be married and so he had deserted the ranks. He had snuck back to marry his bride and they caught him and his fiance pleaded with Cromwell for the life of her groom uh, because the law was, the rule was, anyone who deserts, all the deserters have to be put to death. And Cromwell said, this man will be executed when the curfew bell rings tonight. So that night the sexton went to the church and... He, he got on the rope, and he was right there at the appointed hour, but no matter how hard and no matter how often he pulled the rope, the bell didn't make any sound. And come to find out, that soldier's fiance had climbed the belfry and wrapped herself around the clapper. Rose Harwick Thorpe records the outcome. At Cromwell's feet, she tells her story, shows her hands all bruised and torn, and her sweet young face still haggard with the anguish it had worn. Touched his heart with sudden pity, lit his eyes with misty light. Go, your lover lives, said Cromwell. Curfew shall not ring tonight. So this final thing, make sure that this approach does not backfire on you. Look at verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Overwhelm dysfunction with biblical function. I mean, put the plow on the, on the front of your truck and, and just go for it. Because love rejects all worldly standards. It rejects all fleshly strategies. Love does not fight fire with fire. Watch, look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. God bless you with drink. While he's thirsty, share some of yours, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Love fights fire with food. I mean, love lets kindness be its revenge. Do you live according to Christ's kingdom principles now i admit you cannot live up to this on your own you cannot do it in your own strength with your own resources so let me end today where we started with the cross and resurrection life because by your unfettered free will you can do two things today and win first number one you can trust god today you can trust god is your confidence in God's control of your life. If it is not, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and been converted, then trust God today. And second, second, this is number two. Go out of here living by the life of Christ. You know, if you'll go back and simply review this list, you will see exactly the life that Jesus lived when he was here among us. You say, Alan, but I'm not Jesus. Yeah, I know none of us are, but the cool thing is we don't have to be because we just have to live by his life and not ours. We have to live by the Holy Spirit in us and not by our flesh. We have to live, be alive by his faith, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Because the fruit of the Spirit is always love. Every head bowed, every eye closed, my time is up. I thank you for yours. What we've shown you today is a supernatural way of living. And I and I know, I know some Sundays it seems like, wow, that's so much. But you know, I really felt like I had to take this entire chapter in one chunk so that you could see all the pieces coming together. This supernatural way of living means that you've got to be born again in order to live it. You have to be born a second time, born by faith in Jesus, born spiritually. Will you get saved today so that you can allow Jesus to shed his love abroad in your heart and then produce the effects of love through you to others? Any other way leads to self-destruction and the devil will anesthetize you against that for as long as he can. And you know, the devil always specially animates the Keith Richards of the world, you know, and others like that, that it's like, man, the way they live, they should have died 40 years ago, but here they are. Okay, you won't get away with it, but the devil has an agenda in making some people be able to. Why not? Why not? Just live the kind of life that God gives you freely by his grace. The offer is being made to you this morning by the Holy Spirit. It is free. It is received by your faith in his grace. So all you have to do is pray. Just pray right now and say, God save me for Jesus' sake. Jesus, I see what you did. It's what you did, not me. Because you wrapped yourself around the clapper. You took all the pain. You took the suffering. So much so that you didn't get out, you didn't get down from there. You didn't get off of that. Until God the Father had stopped and said, That's sufficient, that's all. That covers it, that covers it for everybody. You died so that my sins could be atoned for. So today I believe in Jesus for what he promises me, which is eternal life. I trust Jesus today. I'm not trusting this prayer to save me. I'm placing all my weight on the fact of Christ's sacrifice for my sins on the cross. So I want to turn around. I want to be converted. I want to offer my life as a living sacrifice to you today. God, give me your righteousness through my faith in Jesus. I believe. I mean, how much do we need that today? Thanksgiving's been shoved aside. We go straight from Halloween into Christmas. You know I was watching some of the Christmas children's programs Friday night and it's like none of them mentioned Christ Christ was nowhere a part of it it was, it was totally pagan in idea you got a tree and you got light nothing said about Jesus but if you'll pray today God will put you in Christ he'll put the Holy Spirit in you and if you did pray then come meet us here at the front. Let us record it and rejoice with you because I have a book that I wrote on next steps for new believers. And I want to give it to to you to take with you. Go ahead and stand if you would. Bump elbows with your neighbor. Next Sunday, we're going to see in detail the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives you father i thank you today i thank you for your word i thank you for meeting us i thank you for meeting our needs and so much so more it's more than just meeting our need lord what you have given in us is a well of life springing up that goes out to others and if it doesn't do that if we're not letting it do that that is why we got the psychosis we got that is why we have the problems the issues God give us grace to have the patience in tribulation and to have the right disposition as we walk in your spirit and your word together as a church for we ask it today in Jesus precious and powerful name Amen